As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If we had it our way, every single wrestling moment would rock. Sadly, that's not very realistic, and sometimes a company takes a bat, swings as hard as it can, and misses entirely. Damn it! I'm Simon from What Culture. Please do subscribe, and this is 10 wrestling moments that should have been huge but weren't. Number 10, the summer of discontent. When the very topical CM Punk dropped his pipe bomb promo on Raw, he changed the game, or at least broke the glass ceiling and moved himself up the card. It all culminated in him apparently quitting while also becoming WWE champion, and it was excellent. All of this felt legit. For one reason or another, though, the powers that be had no idea that just having Punk beat people would have helped no end, so instead brought in Kevin Nash, had CM lose the title through Triple H into the mix, and then added something with John Laurinaitis. It was everything you didn't really want and was as if WWE had grabbed your nice new balloon and popped it. As such, the summer of 2011 just wasn't what it should have been, which was one of the reasons CM Punk decided to go home in 2014. Number 9, Redemption for Ms. Dow. Damien Ms. Dow was never meant to be as popular as he was. Being the Mrs. Stunt Double where he would replicate every single move he did sounded like a silly thing to do on Raw, but man, the crowd loved it and rightfully so. The former Damien Sandow was great at it. The point was it clicked and everybody assumed we would do something huge with this. We did not. It was obvious they would have to start to fall out, and what better way to do that than to have the Miz get jealous of his right-hand man's success. This meant when they were both thrown into the Andre the Giant Battle Royal at WrestleMania 31, it was on a platter. Have them be the final pair. Damo chucks out his now enemy. Boom, away we go. And sure, we got half of that. Sandow did turn on his brutal mentor and hurl him over the top rope, but this didn't mean he was getting anything major on the other side. Because as soon as he had done that, the Big Show was waiting, stole his dream, and won... What were we even thinking? Number 8, the forever debate. So this one will spark conversation and that's always good. But as I say these words, it has been around 25 years since Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels locked horns at WrestleMania 12 in the now infamous Iron Man match. 
Going 60 minutes at any point in history is tough because that's a long while to keep fans interested, but who better to do it than two of the best ever? The reason for the divide, I feel, is simple. In terms of watching it for entertainment, it does go a little bit too long, but if you've ever been in a ring, my word, this is the greatest thing you've ever seen. The fact they keep up somewhat of a pace for an hour is nuts, so praise has to be sent in its direction. The decision to not have any falls, though, does hurt it somewhat. Pins and submissions get people excited, so to go this length with not one almost comes across like an afterthought toying with the expectations that needed to be met. Hence why these days it doesn't smack bang as the big event it once was, although that could also be down to how much we learned after the fact that HBK celebration just means so much more than we could have ever known. Number seven, I did it for The Rock. It was one of the biggest storylines of 1999 because somebody decided to get behind the wheel of a car and run over Stone Cold Steve Austin. This was proper soap opera who shot JR stuff and it worked in the build-up to the reveal. Everybody wanted to know who it was. And look, going for Rikishi wasn't the worst idea either. The former head shrinker was ridiculously over during this time period and deserved a go at the top. The problem was, it should have been as a good guy and not as an attempted murderer. No one wanted to see Keish in that spot, so when he told us he did it for Duroc, well, it sucked. On top of that, the Great One just destroyed Rikishi for doing it for Duroc, so he looked like an idiot. And before long, we had moved the whole blame game onto Triple H, who apparently put him up to it or something. I don't know. He was the mastermind leaving Mr. Too Cool to sink back down to the mid-card. It felt like a swerve for the sake of a swerve, and they rarely work, mostly because there's always 100 plot holes that will make you want to slap your own head. Trust me, I know all about that. Number six, the Summer Sham. When Edge and Matt Hardy clashed at SummerSlam 2005, this was as real as it could get. Hardy's girlfriend and fellow wrestler Lita had been having an affair with best buddy Edge, leaving Matt, understandably, to go through a very difficult time in his life, which also ended with him losing his job. This all felt like a little bit too much for anyone. As it leaked out everywhere onto planet Earth, WWE quickly made the rated R superstar and Lita a team, and when fan support got so loud it was upending shows, Thankfully, Matt was brought back into the fold. There was no question they were going to have to have a match, which was a testament to all involved given the animosity, but nobody thought it was going to go the way it did. Because despite the fact it was Hardy who needed something, Edge was booked to whip his ass so badly at the hottest show of the summer, the referee called it off. So just to recap, Matt lost his pal, Matt lost his girl, and then was punched so hard, he wasn't allowed to finish his revenge. This is one of those easy layups where you just have to do what makes sense, but no. It took the life out of whatever this was, and we never looked back. Before long, both guys were on separate programs. The best use of the brand split ever. Number five, the ultimate triple threat. Maybe this one is being a little bit unkind, as it was a moment in and of itself, but it was just what had come before it. Because if you were a total wrestling fan in the mid-90s, in 10 years' time, Eric Bischoff, Paul Heyman, and Vince McMahon will be stood in the same ring to co-promote a pay-per-view you would have been kicked in the shin. Nobody likes a liar. And yet here we were on a May Raw, and that was exactly what was happening. WCW and ECW had long died, but three of the most influential individuals in wrestling history were working together to try and sell One Night Stand as much as they possibly could. It was really cool to see, but again, while WWE acted like this was hell freezing over, it kind of become commonplace. We'd seen the evasion, we'd seen Bischoff hug Vince, Paul had been a commentator. 
was a little bit strange it was even being sold this way because if you were a long-term viewer, you knew the deal. Still, it will always be incredible he even reached this stage to begin with. At one point, I bet at least one of them would have smacked the other for real. Number four, Charlotte versus Bailey. The weeks before Charlotte and Bailey were going to clash at Payback after a WrestleMania 33 encounter, the then hugger just randomly won the title on Raw. This came shortly after Flair had won the gold from Sasha Banks at Roadblock, and every single person in the world couldn't figure out why we hadn't waited until Mania. Bailey getting her victory there would have felt huge. She still retained at the show of shows by pinning Charlotte again, but as we expected, it wasn't quite the spectacle it was, and that just made this whole period even stranger. To top that off, Bells then lost the belt to Alexa Bliss at Payback, and if you're now thinking, wait a minute, this sounds like WWE didn't have a plan and were kind of making it up as they went along... Well, yes. Number three, Sting. Sting is one of the best ever. I refuse to hear the counter-argument because he's now been a smash success in five decades, and that is ridiculous. Doesn't just happen, and he rules. It's why he always had to do something with WWE eventually, and I'm truly pleased that he did. It was lovely seeing him have his run there, and once again proves that no matter where he goes, he becomes a legend. Sadly, I'm not sure Vince McMahon was aware of this, because what were we doing at WrestleMania 31? It was fine, he was fighting Triple H, it was fine, he had a weird drum entrance, it was fine, the NWO and DX were involved. Well, no, that bit's not true. But as long as the icon won, who cares? And then, of course, he didn't. As ever, McMahon couldn't accept the idea of a WCW guy going over a WWE guy, despite buying the company years prior, so he had this odd match where Sting and Hunter shook hands, even though the game won after clocking the Stinger in the head with a sledgehammer. It really did take the wind out of itself, but hey, it's not like Sting doesn't have approximately 45,789 other memories he can think about instead. Number two, the end of Punk. CM Punk was always going to lose the WWE title at the 2013 Royal Rumble. Despite holding it for over a year, the voice of the voiceless was going against The Rock, so it was obvious what was going to happen, and this is why it was such a shame. Firstly, if WWE had gone with Punk's plan to do a triple threat at WrestleMania 39, that would have been his 500th day as champion. That would have been a pretty badass thing to promote, especially as The Great One vs. John Cena, Once in a Lifetime Part 2, didn't even need the title, so you could have put CM Punk somewhere else on the card. And even if WWE did think it needed a title, you can put CM Punk in there, and in his own words, let him be beaten pretty early on, leaving these other two to fight. As it wasn't in the plans, it was never going to be the plan, so after an incredible title reign, Punk's last match was a telegraphed as they come, and that is not the way. He should have been able to go out in a huge fashion, and while clashing with the people's champion isn't the worst, it didn't hit the levels it could have done otherwise. Number one, the other side of the invasion. We all know the deal with this and the invasion could be an entry all of its own. It's been done to death though, and it is what it is. No WCW stars, my man not wanting WWE to look weak, DDP's a pervert, all stupid, all bad. What was even more nuts though, is that because Vince's biggest stars were moved around to lead both parties, on the house show circuit in 2001, fans were being treated to Stone Cold Steve Austin, the WWE champion, versus The Rock, the WCW champion. I mean, come on. Straight off, why did this make it to TV properly? And secondly, it was like the walking embodiment for all the other madness. Two of the biggest titles ever were being fought over, but it wasn't how us nerds had dreamed about it. It was just two WWE guys scrapping as if WCW didn't even exist. It's not a real problem because Rocky and the Rattlesnake was wrestling gold every single time, but when you do take a step back and take all the context in, my word, this is a strange universe we are living in. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. 
Every week, you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.